I'll never forget a young man who was sitting in our Bible college in Brazil. He came to me and talked to me about the environment on his job that was very anti-God, very anti-Christian, and he was uh, suffering a lot of uh, spiritual pressure because of the environment on his job. He asked me what, I, what he should do. And God, in that moment, inspired me to say to him, get up 15 minutes early, spend 10 minutes in prayer, and 5 minutes reading the Word of God. And I believe that God will change the situation. And I didn't say that in a preaching tone. I just said it just in a natural conversation. But that Word was anointed by God. And God used that Word. And that young man put that into practice. Two weeks later, he came and said, God has totally changed the environment of my job. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. If we will put God first, God will operate in our behalf. Amen. Amen. The key is God first in everything. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, we're talking today to you about the hiding place. Several years ago, Corey Ten, Corey Ten Boom wrote a book with the title, The Hiding Place. It was about the hiding of Jews and helping them escape from Hitler's Nazi Jew-hating regime. It was a very moving book and deserves to be read by all as it calls to mind the self-sacrifice of those who loved and cared for others. Amen? Amen? And if we are truly Christians, we will always care for others. We will always have others as a primary goal and project of our life. Amen. I'm running just a little bit late today, and I'm going to tell you why. Because I got up at 2 o'clock in the morning and saw that my neighbor's kitchen light was on. And the blinds were open. I thought, what is going on? This is not normal. And I didn't want to <coughs> go over to her house that time of the morning. But when I got up again this morning, <coughs> shortly after five, for prayer, I saw that the light was on yet. And I thought, what is going on? And I told my wife about it. She said, you know, I think you better go over and check. The lady that's in the house right now is just house-sitting and pet-sitting. And uh, I didn't know her well, although she was introduced to me some time back. And I went over to her house before... We left for church this morning to do a welfare check. Amen. This that concern for a neighbor, for an elderly woman who could have been in uh, dire circumstances. Fortunately, I found her well and getting ready to talk to take our neighbor's dogs for their daily walk. So it was fine. But we've got to care for others. We've got to be concerned about others. I made uh, several telephone calls yesterday to people that I know that are in dire health situations. I care for them. I love them. I make contact with them to let them know that I am praying for them. Amen? Amen. And this doesn't need to be just the heart of a minister of the gospel. It needs to be the heart of all of us. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Today, out of a pastoral heart, I want to talk to you about another hiding place that is so important in the life of all and particularly those who are or claim to be Christian, this hiding place is your heart. All down through the ages of Bible history are brought face to face with the actions of both men and women who thought they could hide things from God. 
In many cases, they were able to hide things from men, but never from God. All right? Let us remember that, that God is the one who searches our hearts and knows even our thoughts. Now, to those who do right, that is comforting. To those that do wrong, that is a fearful thing to contemplate. I want to give us a few examples this morning, the beginning of this lesson of those who thought that they could hide things from God. The first one I want to mention is a man by the name of Achan. Anybody remember Achan? Raul, remember Achan? Don't remember him? Okay, no, not a problem. I'm making fun, just uh, just questioning. Achan, Danny, come on, man. Well, Achan was a member, was a Jew. He was a member of the force that uh, marched around Jericho and saw the walls come down. And he was one that heard uh, uh, very clearly the order that came from Joshua, their leader, that they were not to take anything from the city. Nothing in that city belonged to them. Nothing, no gold, no, no silver, no garments, nothing. But Achan could not get control of his greedy nature and he decided to take some of the wealth of that city and he took it and he hid it in his tent well he was not able to hide that from God and in reality his sin resulted in the death of many of his fellow men fellow Jewish men because when they went to war against the city of Ai they were roundly defeated because there was sin in the camp, all right? And please allow me to say this morning in a very pointed manner that every one of us has an obligation before God and an obligation to our fellow members of this church, amen, to live our life that is holy and righteous and pure before God, Amen? amen? Because not only... Are we responsible for ourselves? But whether we want to believe it or not, we are our brother's keeper. Amen. Amen. We are responsible to other people. Do you want me to repeat that or did you hear it the first time? We are responsible to other people. Amen. I'm responsible to you every time I stand behind this pulpit and bring you a message from the Word of God. And that's why I endeavor to pray and to ask God to give me the direction of His Holy Spirit so that I can transmit to you something that will be of spiritual and eternal value in your life. Amen? Amen. And so Achan's sin was uh, brought great defeat to the entire nation of Israel. His sin, his sin brought defeat to the entire nation. God wanted to show this nation from the very beginning that they were all uh, required to be responsible to the rest of their nation. God devised a very uh, uh, telling means by which uh, Achan's sin could be discovered. And all of the children of Israel passed by uh, Joshua and the other leaders of Israel and uh, the lot fell on Achan and his family. As a result of his sin, which he was obliged to confess because uh, the goods that he had taken were found underneath the floor of his tent. Amen. As a consequence, he and his whole family were stoned. He and his family, did you understand? His sons and his daughters didn't take anything, 
but as a family unit, they were all responsible. They may have had knowledge of what he did. I don't know. But anyway, the whole family uh, was uh, stoned to death, and a big heap of stone was made over their dead bodies as a reminder to all of Israel that you are responsible to live a godly and holy life in obedience to God. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. The second uh, uh, two characters that I want to mention this morning are the two sons of the high priest, Eli. His two sons were horrible men. They were corrupt men. They were adulterous men. They were thieving men. They committed all kinds of, of sin against the people of Israel who would come to the tabernacle to worship God and to offer their sacrifices and to give their offerings. And uh, Eli never took any steps to correct the errors of his son. And it just continued to progress on and on. I would be negligent in my life, in my ministry, if I failed to warn somebody of a sin in their life that could cause their destruction and the destruction of their families. Amen? Amen. Um, quickly trying to remember whether it was Jeremiah or Ezekiel said that he was placed as a, as a guard on the wall and he was to warn the city of impending danger and the approach of enemy armies. And sometimes you may, uh, you may wonder why that uh, certain messages come across this pulpit from either myself or from your pastor. And it is because that God has spoken to us. And we may not have any specifics. We may not know anything in particular. But God has moved upon us that we can speak to you from the authority of God's word and hope that God's Holy Spirit will take his word to your heart and cause you to change your lifestyle in order to be saved. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Now, it was before Eli that uh, Hannah, uh, Samuel's mother, prayed. She was barren. She could not have children. And she prayed. She did not utter any audible voice, but moved only her lips. Eli thought she was drunken and condemned her very severely as being a son of the uh, false gods of Israel. She said, you are wrong. You are wrong. I am a servant of God, but I am vexed in my spirit because I cannot give my husband a son to carry on his name. And for this reason, I am weeping and crying in the presence of God. And the high priest pronounced a blessing upon her. And she did conceive, and her first son's name was? Samuel. Thank you. I'm glad you remembered Samuel, who was taken to the uh, tabernacle there to live with Eli uh, just as soon as he had been uh, weaned from his mother's breast. What age that was, I do not know, but, uh, and it doesn't really make any difference. But Samuel had already been instructed in the ways of God, and it was Samuel to whom God talked, and it was through the boy Samuel that God brought condemnation and conviction of sin to Eli. But it was already too late for Eli and too late for his sons. Uh, 
Eli's posterity would never be able to occupy the priesthood in any of the succeeding generations because of his sin. And it, it grieves my heart today to stand here before you uh, as my mind runs a thousand miles an hour. And uh, I, I remember the names of people, that, uh, that uh, men particularly, who uh, claimed to be Christian but did not live as Christians ought to live. And uh, they are lost today. Their families are lost. Uh, and we're already looking at the third and the fourth generation of their families that are lost without God, without a godly man to lead them. But that man had every chance to uh, do the right thing. I was ordered by God to go to his house and tell him, if you lay out of church this time, as you have done so many times, it will be the last time in your life that you will ever be able to do that. I saw him later on try to come back to church. He could not find a place of repentance because he had rejected God so many times in his life. And as we remember those precious girls and boys that were his children, now married with their own children, and those with their children, uh, and all of them without God, without church attendance, without knowing what it is to feel the move of God's Holy Spirit in their lives. I'm telling every one of you here today that your life before God is very important. You've got to live a holy, clean, pure life before God. And if you do not, even if in the end, by some means you are saved, you will still be responsible for those that you cause to fail because of your weakness and your frailty. And then there was David who... Uh, could not keep under control his carnal lust, took another man's wife. Uh, and uh, it was all right, you know, it's just a one-night stand. You know, what's wrong with that? But uh, it was adultery, and God didn't like it. Uh, and uh, the woman became pregnant, and she was to have a son. And when David was informed of that, uh, he endeavored to uh, hide that fact and... and uh, made up a, a, a means by which he could call her husband back from the front line of battle and hoping that he would go home and lay with his wife and she would become pregnant by him, or at least it would be thought that. But he would not return to his home. He was faithful to his God and faithful to the king and would not go to his home. And uh, so David uh, uh, commanded the, the leader of the army to place him in the front so that he would be killed. So David became guilty not only of adultery, but also of murder of this man, this wife, this woman's husband. And so apparently everything's fine now. It's all covered up. Until one day the prophet Nathan walks into the palace, uh, tells a little story that infuriates David. But when the prophet uttered his next word, David became very contrite because he said, You are the man. You are the man about whom this story is to be applied. And then we can find through the book of Psalms, David's uh, repentance and his desire to be released from his sin. Amen? Amen. Not only did David suffer, but uh, the son that he had uh, brought life to died. And he did not know him uh, as a, a child that would grow up 
uh, in the king's palace. And uh, it's such a sad story. And uh, David tried his best to cover up his sin. But from God, you do not cover up your sins. Sooner or later, your sin will be made known. God will see to it that your sin is made known. In the New Testament, we read about two people, a man and his wife by the name of Ananias and Sapphira. And they had such a wonderful little scheme cooked up. Oh my, we're going to sell our house and our property and we're going to take this money to the apostles and we're going to tell them that this is the whole price of the sale when in reality they were keeping back a goodly portion for themselves to be used on their selfish carnal nature. And God revealed it to Peter. God revealed it to Peter. Don't ever think that just because It is another man or another woman. God can move through these people who are men and women of prayer and can cause them to know things that you thought are hidden. They may not know all of the particulars. I was in a conference in Brazil a number of years ago and a a man that uh, my wife and I considered as a good friend, he and his wife, and when conferences were together, all the missionaries came together in Brazil. It was with this couple that we usually, as you say in your language, hung out. So we were together. And, and so we had uh, this uh, fellowship, one with another. And we were at this conference, and we knew that his wife had returned to Canada for a period of time. We weren't aware of the whole story, but um, uh, uh, he didn't show up for the conference and everybody was saying, Brother Walmer, where's so-and-so? Where's so-and-so? I said, I don't know. I haven't heard from him. I don't know where he is. And he didn't show up and didn't show up. And a very interesting thing happened, and I think I've told you part of this story already, but the thing is that that was a five-night revival meeting along with a national conference and all kinds of board meetings. But every night was service night. They had service on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And every night the altars were filled. People were receiving the Holy Ghost. And it was a great time. Well, Sunday I was scheduled to preach. They gave me the honor of being the Sunday night special speaker. And I felt greatly honored and felt the weight of the responsibility that would be mine. And so Sunday afternoon after the... Uh, meetings were concluded, the board meetings and all of that. I went to where I was staying, which was in a house just up the street from the church, and began to pray and seek God after a little time of rest and refreshing of my mind. And I endeavored to find something that would be in the will of God to transmit to the church that night. I looked at every page of notes that I had in my Bible. I thumbed that Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I couldn't find a thing. It was as though the Bible was blank pages. And it is though that the notes that I had didn't say anything at all. And I had preached those messages on many times with great effectiveness. But uh, as I knelt there in prayers, (laughs) crying out to God in desperation, because in just a little while I'm going to have to preach, God, I've got to have something tonight. Don't let me be embarrassed before these hundreds of people that will be gathered here tonight. And as I was there, suddenly I felt a horrible, adulterous spirit move into that room where I was. And in the midst of that horrible, weighty feeling of adultery, God revealed to me 
what had happened and who was guilty and with whom they were guilty. And I had names. I knew names. I knew names. God revealed it to me. I had those things as firsthand knowledge. Now, that's not something you go running out of a prayer room with to spread to everybody. It's something you keep to yourself. And you use that only when you are directed by God to do so. But when I uh, had that direction, I did approach that subject. And everything that God had revealed to me was true to the last letter. Amen. And it was a, 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 a tremendous experience to know that God yeah. can help us uh, right. to help others and to expose yes. the sin that is in the camp. Hallelujah. Yeah. And to say, as the prophet Nathan did, you are the man. You're guilty before God and man of sin in your life. Amen. Amen. And uh, so uh, Ananias fell down dead at Peter's feet as the men that buried him were walking in the door, uh, Sapphira had come in, and Peter said, is such and such true? She said, yes, it's true. And she stood by the lie that, that Ananias had told before, and uh, she fell down dead at his feet and was carried out and buried beside her husband. Bible tells us that because of that, fear fell on the church. And sometimes I think that we need... Uh, some cases like this so that fear will fall on the church in these modern days yeah. and people will be respectful of God yeah. and respectful of holy yeah. things right. and live a life that is honorable yes. and pleasing to God. Amen. Yeah. And we hear the story from the Old Testament of a woman by the name of Hagar. She was Sarah's handmaid and because Sarah could not produce children, and was unwilling to wait on God, she gave her handmaid to Abraham, and with that handmaid, Abraham had a son. And that son is a plague in the world to this day. You say, how's that? Because that son became the progenitor of what we call the Arab race today. And everything that was prophesied about him became true, that he would be numerous in multitude, and we see all of this in our society today. Amen? Amen? Praise God. But as she sat in the desert and was uh, waiting on something to happen, probably death to come to her in that dry, barren country and to her son, the angel of the Lord appeared to her and gave her a message. And she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, Thou God seest me. For she said, Have I also looked after him that seeth me? Let us be aware, my friends, that God sees us. Closed doors do not prohibit God from seeing you. The darkness of night does not prohibit God from seeing you. Wherever you go, wherever you are, God can see you. And if you are professing to be a Christian, then God is particularly interested in examining your life. And we could probably go into a lot of other stories and, and relay those to you today, but time doesn't permit, so we will examine together what the Scriptures have to say regarding those that endeavor to hide their sins from God. 
The book of Psalms contains various passages that refer to the matter of hidden sins. Remember what the title was? The hiding place. And your heart can be the hiding place of sin. Your heart can be the hiding place of degradation and all kinds of evil thinking. The following verse that we are going to read outlines the only way to be free from hidden sins. David says in Psalms 32 and 5, I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. Amen? Boy, that is one of the toughest things for any human being to do. To say to God, I'm wrong. It's hard for wives to say to their husbands and hard, hard for husbands to say to their wives, I'm wrong, forgive me. But even more important it is to say to God, God, I'm wrong. I have sinned against you. That was the, 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 the message that the prodigal son brought to his father. It was not, I have just sinned against you, but I have sinned against heaven. I have sinned against my God. I have sinned against the God that I was raised to trust in and believe in. I've sinned against you. Forgive me. Hallelujah. And of course, this brings to mind uh, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. Can somebody quote it for me this morning? Lift up your voice. If we confess our sins. If we confess our sins. God's not just going to do that just for nothing. God is going to forgive our sins only before our repentance. And when we come to God in that state of mind, that frame of mind and soul, God will forgive us. But we've got to confess. Amen. Confess. Confess. What does that mean? It means that you know what you have done that is wrong. I lie. I allow evil thoughts to come into my mind. I have read literature that I should not have read. It has created my heart to think on things that it should not think on. All right? And I'm trying to be careful today not to uh, be too pointed in my remarks. But I think all of you understand what I'm talking about. Amen? But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. David said, I acknowledge my sin unto thee. Now when we go to Psalms chapter 51 verses 9 through 10, David has been <clears throat> made to know that his sin is known to God, his adulterous behavior, his, his murderous nature. And he beseeches God, God, please, please, God, hide thy face from my sin and blot out all of my iniquities. <clears throat> please, God, do this for me. Create in me, verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. Yes, amen. amen. Hallelujah. I need a right spirit. When I had them bring that woman to the palace, I had a wrong spirit. When I was discovered in that sin, it was wrong of me. I had a wrong spirit to uh, have her husband 
killed. It was wrong, God. I'm sorry. And whatever sin it is that we may have committed, we must confess it to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And when we have done that, we can and will be forgiven. Now, one of the most difficult things for any person to do is to admit their foolishness. <coughs> oh, my, how, how difficult that is to admit that they were foolish in some decision. Maybe something that you purchased that you didn't need, and now, oh, how do I pay for that? Foolish decision made on the spur of the moment. Caught in some kind of activity that you should not have been doing, and then lie about it. You just doubled your sin. <laughs> Amen. You just doubled it. All right? But uh, we must understand that we must do as God has commanded us to do. Amen? Amen. And that is to confess our sin. All right? Amen. To confess our foolishness and our sin is difficult embarrassing makes you a little red in the face you know you're embarrassed you know if you know what it is to come into the presence of God if you know what it is to live in the presence of God if you live in constant com communication with God and you commune with him not only in an hour of prayer in the morning or uh, with a song during the day or whatever. But if you know what it is to commune with God and all of a sudden something happens that you don't have that liberty anymore, you can pretty well attribute to the fact that you've done something that has displeased God. And so we must do what the Scriptures admonish. And I have said this so many times in the Bible studies that I've given in this church. Let a man examine himself. You've got to examine yourself Amen. because you know what you did. You know what displeased God out of your actions and thoughts. And when you understand that, you come to God with that repentant attitude. Oh God, Psalm 69, 5 says, Oh God, thou knowest my foolishness, and my sins are not hid from thee. Caught up in the moment of passion. Calls for that woman to be brought to him. And in that society, uh, in, in that time, uh, a woman was always obedient. And, and particularly in that the king was calling for her. She just went along. All right. Even though it was wrong. Even though she may have known that it was wrong. She did that because she became complicit. Because it was the uh, rather the norm of activities in that day. <clears throat> now David gives us a very, very wonderful, wonderful promise and a wonderful course of action how we can avoid being caught up in the kind of an activity that will be displeasing to God. And it, it doesn't make any difference what it might be. It may be uh, uh, a bent toward lying. It may be a bent toward immoral behavior. Uh, it may be a bent toward participating in some of the things that the world calls pleasure. 
but whatever it is, there is a way to defeat the 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 the, the feelings that we have, the desires that we have. There is a way to defeat that. And I want us to look at this verse of scripture a little bit more deeply than we may have ever looked at it before. And we are in Psalms chapter 119 and uh, verse 11 um, and verse 12 also. I didn't write that there, Sister Gina. All right. Thy word have I hid in my heart. It's not just in the book that lies on my coffee table or somewhere. But your word is in my heart. I have read it over and over again. I have memorized your word to the place where it is a part of my being. And I recall the, the words of God to Jeremiah, I believe it was, he said, I want you to take the scroll and eat it. Now, it may have been made of lambskin or something like that, but I can't imagine eating something like that. It must have been pretty chewy. <laughs> and this whole big roll, eat the whole thing. And it was a type of putting the Word of God on the inside. Now, what he said was so, is so profoundly important. He said, when it was in my mouth, it was bitter. It didn't taste good. But when it became a part of my belly, then it was sweet to savor. Praise God. God's word sometimes may just, bam, it hits us. It convicts us. It brings a feeling that we don't like to feel. But if we will go ahead and pursue that, and allow God's word to become a vital part of us, it will bring sweetness to us and cause us to know the sweetness of God. Hallelujah. And his word and his laws. Now, the next verse says, Blessed art thou, O Lord. Teach me thy statutes. All right? Teach them to me. Teach them to me. I need to know them. All right? Now we think how interesting that we are already down in the 119th chapter of the book of Psalms and already David has written a whole lot and already we have a lot out of life experience of David. Why is he now at this point saying, teach me thy statutes? Because there is never a point in our lives, young or old, many or few years, as a Christian, that we get beyond the place where we need to be taught the statues of God. Yeah. And if we will, excuse me, I, I, I'm going to just Amen. get on this key again. Bong, 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 bong. But if we will be constant readers of God's word, that word will take hold in our hearts and our lives. And we will be convicted of our wrongdoing. God will show us where we are wrong. And what does not please him? Because we read it in his word. And God has a particular way through the moving of his Holy Spirit that causes us to understand a scripture that we may not have ever understood before. Amen. And that may be what we need that day, that hour, to keep us from failing God in our Christian walk. Amen. 
Praise God. Praise God. And so, God, teach me thy statutes. So you get down in the morning to pray. And you talk to God, and and I'm not going to tell you that you've got to do a certain amount of time. Because it's not the quantity of time that is important. It is the sincerity of your prayer. Amen. And how, how much you mean what you are saying. And when you rise from that place of prayer, if you have really touched God, and if you feel that you have been renewed in His Spirit and power, and you sit down to read the Scriptures, you will find that those Scriptures are revealed to you in a way that you never saw them before, because it is the Spirit of God that is moving on you to bring about that knowledge that you need. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Now let us remember what the scriptures say to us in the book of Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. For the word of God is quick. That means that it is alive. That's what that means. It's alive. This is not some dead book like a novel written by John Wayne or somebody else. All right. It is a live word. Amen. And that's why we can go to it. We who are ministers of the gospel and find in here. Scriptures from which we transmit God's purpose and will to you, the congregation that we endeavor to feed with God's word. It is because of what God does through his living word. It is for the word of God is living. You can put that in there. And powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Amen. Of the joints of the marrow, and a discerner of the thoughts of the intents of the heart. So you think that you've got something hidden in your heart. There's something in that hiding place that really isn't pleasing to God, but you think God doesn't know. Even the reading of His Word can bring to you a vivid consciousness of the fact that God does know, and He is used. The black letters on a white page to reveal to you what is wrong in your life. Amen. Amen. Do not turn a deaf ear. Do not harden your heart against those things. But open your heart to God and allow him to move in you. That he can correct what is wrong in your life. Amen. Amen. Praise God. We can we not see from this scripture what the, what the reading of the Holy Scriptures or how the reading of the Holy Scriptures can affect our lives daily? They can change the person we are, the carnal nature that we possess. God's all-powerful word. Out in the world, this book is not considered as being any more important than any other piece of literature. But to us who are the children of God, this is the very, the most important verse, uh, that is book that we can read. Amen? Now, if we persist in trying to hide our sins, we need to refresh our memories with, with those before us that can uh, uh, be a horrible uh, end to our spirituality because they refuse to heed, give heed to the scriptures. All right? The teaching of godly men and the prompting of the Holy Spirit that should be dwelling and acting as on a daily basis. Amen? Amen. 
The wise man Solomon wrote, He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. All right? Just mark it down. And if you're marking any scripture in your Bible, you need to mark that one. All right? All right? He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoever confesses them. And what more? Forsaketh them. Don't go back to repeat them. God said to the woman who was taking an act of adultery, was being so roundly criticized and condemned by the religious leaders of her day. And they came to accuse her, but their lives were also filled with sin. Don't think that you are just so absolutely holy and perfect and so godly that you could throw stones at somebody else. I am convinced in my mind and my heart that Jesus stooped and wrote in the dust, dust, the name of every one of those accusers. He knew them. He didn't have to have anybody tell him who they were and wrote behind those names. You know, can you just see that? You know, Jacob, a little hyphen, and the sin that he had committed, maybe that week. And one by one, they just started leaving. All right? And when Jesus rose from his work of writing, he said, lady, where are your accusers? She said, no one accuses me. You know, don't think you can accuse somebody. They may be in sin. But if sin is also in your life, you have no right to be condemning others for their sin. Amen? Amen. Praise God. And you find that in John chapter 8, verses 7 through 9. All right? And, and, and as I read in Isaiah 3 and 9, the show of their countenance doth witness against them, and they declare their sin as Sodom. They hide it not. Woe unto their soul, for they have rewarded evil unto themselves. I remember a certain time when we were having six o'clock prayer meetings in the church that I pastored, and many of us would gather at that early hour in the morning to pray and seek after God. And there was a certain young lady that uh, was always present in those prayer services, but one morning she walked in and I thought, what has happened to her? I mean, I could tell by her facial expression that things were not well. Something of a grave nature had taken place in her life. All right? I was later to learn that, that she had had an, a relationship with a young man that she was dating. And her heart condemned her when she came into the house of God. Well, to endeavor to make things right, she eventually married that young man and I believe had a child or two with him. But he finally died of his drug addiction. And she was left a widow. You know, it's such a sad thing. And my wife and I remember these things with such clarity. Because they didn't have to happen. They didn't need to happen. But if those people had paid attention to my preaching and my teaching and had been assiduous readers of the word of God, and they had been faithful in their prayer life, they would have not fallen to the snare of the devil and, and, and given themselves over to the passions of their flesh. Amen? Amen. 
And uh, so it became obvious to me as I saw her walk in. And she became the victim. The victim of her own sin and the, re- the victim of covering up her sin. All right? And her countenance revealed that something was not right. And I have seen it so many times. Young people, particularly in the church, they are so vibrant in their faith and so vibrant in their worship. And all of a sudden, that ceases. They have gotten into a situation of dating and and all of that involves. And evidently, not all on the up and up. And you see that fervency die and they're no longer that fervent christian and and too many times we see them eventually leave the church because they lost contact with god not only young people but it can happen to adults as well let's remember the words from the book of isaiah chapter 59 and verse 2 but your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sin have hid his face from you that he will not hear. People say to me, oh, my prayers aren't answered. Well, wait a minute. Perhaps there is a reason why your prayers are not answered. Could it be that there's sin in your life? Could it be that God has hidden his face from you and closed his ears to you? Because you have been unwilling (coughs) to come to him in a spirit of humility. Acknowledging your sin and confessing your sin and asking God to forgive your sins. Now, (coughs) brethren, if any of you err from the faith, we're in James 5 and 20. If any of you err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converted the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Instead of condemning the backslider, instead of condemning that person who you know has fallen into sin, do not condemn but endeavor to restore. Our work is a work of restoration. We become God's servants in helping in the restoration process. Paul wrote and said, God has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. He also said another passage, be reconciled to God. What does that mean? That means to get all of the enmity out of the way. And I have oftentimes said it like this, that We go to God in prayer. We pray, oh God, help me to aid and help so-and-so in their spiritual life. And then we go to them and and we say uh, to them, I have talked to God and I feel that God has told me to tell you such and such. And we go back to God and we do this back and forth and back and forth uh, until we're finally able to bring God and this repentant sinner together at the altar in the presence of God and see them restored and reconciled to God. Hallelujah. We are not permitted to have a spirit of criticism and condemnation and judgment. I am tired, 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 tired of hearing so many people condemn others. And in reality, many of them 
in their judgmental attitude are as wrong as the person they are condemning. Okay? There are times when we need assistance in our life of prayer. We need assistance. All right? We cannot pray through on our own. And sometimes we may have to go to a brother or a sister and say, I have a need in my life and this is what it is. And the scriptures say in James 5 and 16, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Oh, how we like that last part of that verse. But the first part we're not too excited about. Confess your sins. Sometimes we've got to go to a brother or sister and say, I've got a weakness in my life. I need some help in my life. Would you pray with me? And this is my problem. Be up front. Confess it. Be up front about it. Amen. And confess it even to a brother that you know that will keep that as a secret. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Now, I want to take you to one last verse as I close this morning. And we, take, we go to the book of Psalms, chapter 139, verses 23 and 24. David, in the, out of the great passion of his heart, says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. We so often pray, Oh God, deliver me from temptation and deliver me from these trials. Lord, I don't like these trials. But David said, Search me, O God, and know my heart, and try me. In other words, put me to the test, God. I need to be tested. I need to know what's in me. Just like you know already what's in me. But if you will try me, it will be revealed to me what's in me. And therefore, I can pray and confess and be strengthened by by the strength of my confession. Amen. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 The hiding place. What's in your hiding place today? What may you have hidden away in your heart today? What evil thought? What licentious thought? What lustful thought may you have hidden away in your heart? Filter eyes tells us as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. If you allow these things to continue to abide in your life and you do not repent of them, eventually you are going to follow your thoughts. You know, it's difficult for you to look in that direction and walk backwards. Pretty soon you're going to fall down. You're going to trip. You're going to run into something. And so I can only say that you're going to go where you're looking. If you're looking at things that are evil and displeasing to God, 
eventually you're going to go after those things that lose your soul. Amen. Let's look to God. Amen. Let's look to his word. Amen. Let's allow God to direct us in this way. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. Let's pray. And perhaps you feel a necessity right now to just say, God, I do need some help. I've got things in my heart that shouldn't be there. I've got habits, Lord, that I should not be participating in. And I know those habits are displeasing to you. So many other scriptures that came to mind as I studied this yesterday and this morning early. Know you not that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and yet people will put into their bodies things that will destroy their bodies and their health. Things that pollute their house, their spiritual house, and make it an unfit place for God's Spirit to dwell in. Let's just talk to God. Lord, today we stand in your presence at the conclusion of this Bible study. We ask, O oh God, that you will just use your word to speak deeply into our hearts and to cause us, O oh God, to recognize anything that may be in our lives that should not be there. We don't want to be an Achan. We don't want to be a David. We don't want to be an Ananias or Sapphira. We don't want to be any of these people, oh God. We want to be people who have an open heart before you and say, oh God, search me and see if there be some wicked way in me and reveal it to me that I can repent of it, oh God, and be a holy and pure and clean vessel before you in which you can abide in the power and the fullness of thy Holy Spirit, I pray. In Jesus' in Jesus' wonderful name. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. 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 Some of you are really praying in earnest this morning, asking God to help you. Asking God to give you strength. Asking God to help you to be a valiant warrior. A winner. Hallelujah. Victorious in your Christian life. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let God talk to you. Allow God to speak to you. Allow God to move in your heart and keep it back. I don't want you to become what I want you to be. I want you to become what God wants you to be. That's what I want you to be. What God wants you to be. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. God, make us, Lord, what you want us to be. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. From all unrighteous acts. From any vice, oh God, that may be a part of our lives. From any unholy activity that may be a part of our lives. From everything, oh God, that is displeasing to you. A thought, Lord. A thought. A thought. A thought. Purify our thoughts, oh 
God. Make them holy. Make them pure. We confess, Lord, the Lord around us because our thought process to be disturbed and to be led in a very licentious way, God. But my God, help us. Help us, oh God, to purify our thought process. And if people think that are pure and holy and godly and acceptable to you, oh God, I pray in Jesus' name. Oh, search me, oh God. And know my heart, I pray, oh God. bless you. Greet one another. Glad to have Sister Diana Baca with us today. Amen. A friend. A very dear precious friend. Hallelujah. And she has just returned from a three week excursion to Spain and it is her desire to move back to Spain and become involved some kind of missionary outreach and I have prayed intensely for her during her trip and uh, she feels that God has given her direction and we are in support of whatever God wants her to do. Greet Sister Diana Baca today, a saint of God of many years of a long time Christian family. Amen. Amen. Got to have her in our service. She visited here one time with her mother some time back, some time back before her mother passed away. And so she is glad to be back here with you today. God bless all of you. Let's greet one another. Hey guys, hug the neck of your brother. Amen. Amen.